I mean, the one word I hear over and over and over again from photographers is like, this is a game changer, which is pretty exciting. Welcome to Escaping the Ordinary Podcast. If you are ready to be the best version of yourself and level up your life, stay tuned as we interview special guests who will bring you all of the latest and greatest tips, skills, and know-how to make you the best that you can be. We know that you have it in you, and we are going to show you how with your host, Ryan Teague. All right, everyone. I want to welcome James Broadbent, the other half of Chase Wild with Cameron, the owner of Narrative Blogging Software, now Narrative Select, a friend of mine I would consider. I caught up with James and Cameron, I think it was a year or two ago now in Auckland at one of their workshops, paving the way for photographers. Definitely a person I've been looking forward to, honestly, James, having you here and seeing what you're doing and not just in the photography realm, but with the business side of things. And I think this is going to go in perfect adjacent with having Cameron on the podcast a few episodes ago. So welcome, mate. Thanks, mate. Yeah, it's great to be here. It was awesome to have you along to our, our workshop. Like, I'm pretty sure I've infamously spoken about you a whole bunch since. <laughs> you're definitely a bit of a legend and what you're doing is is pretty epic. Oh, you're too kind, mate. I, um, I remember when I seen your workshop, I think I popped up on my social stories and I'm like, what a great excuse just to go to Auckland, catch up with you guys, see Cy Moore, who I actually hadn't even met in person. I'm like, you know what? Networking is a huge thing. And I'm not going to like get direct like referrals. It's not the reason to go, but like how cool just to collab with another person and and company and learn and share and grow. And yeah. And then obviously we have communicated a lot since and you guys have been doing like incredible things, man. So I'm going to jump straight in, James, because I know your time we've spoken just before is pretty valuable today. You've got a a busy schedule, so I won't keep you too long, but I've uh, been meaning to jump in and ask you some like questions and go from there if you're keen. Yeah, definitely. Let's get stuck into it. So can we start off Chase Wild, right? So for the listeners out there, James, that don't know Chase Wild or they didn't end up listening to Cameron... Can you give them a bit of a background when that started, how you became two and where it is now? Yeah, man. Sounds like a love story, eh? <laughs> when you drop the <laughs> knee? <laughs> yeah. Love it. Yeah, there's no love story there at all. <laughs> yeah, so Cam is like, has been a really good friend of mine. We actually went to uni together and while we were studying at university, this app came out on the iPhone and it was called Instagram (laughs) and we both downloaded it and we were like, man, this is actually pretty cool. Like, I think at the beginning we thought it was just like a place where you just like, I don't know, it was like a photo editor or something, but through Instagram, a couple things came from this. Like Cam and I built a really good friendship where we just spent a lot of time out shooting together. And I would say like, we, we are a product of Instagram. Like we developed a love for photography like through the early stages of using that app. And um, I guess that really slowly progressed into us getting a little bit more serious and like buying proper digital cameras. And then eventually, like to cut a long story short, like realizing that there was great opportunity within the wedding photography space. And so independently, we both started photographing weddings. Cam actually had a brand called Little Village I had a brand called James Broadbent Photography and we spent like every wedding throughout this summer shooting together. 
had like heaps of fun doing it and really I think we really just enjoyed like teaching each other what we were learning and so we decided you know what like why don't we join our photography brands together make one and that's sort of the beginning of Chase Wild so that was about I think it was about six years ago now since then we've photographed weddings in 16 different countries including like China the Middle East Africa all over Europe we would sort of head up to Europe each New Zealand winter for two to three months and and sort of like do a whole season up there my mum's based in London so would sort of like go camp in her lounge and and then bounce between weddings over the weekends and yeah I think we've run must be almost 10 different workshops or so I think there's been couple hundred photographers who have come through our workshops i spoke at workshop in new york a couple years ago which was awesome yeah and so obviously we'll talk about it soon nowadays i'm pretty involved in narrative and cam basically holds the reins for for chase wild and is mostly taking care of that shooting most of the bookings i like to occasionally jump in and shoot something that's really interesting recently photographed one of the All Blacks weddings and have like a few other sort of just like, I don't know, slightly more fun out there bookings that I still work on, I guess. And then so James, going right back with Chase Wild, I know the listener is going to be listening and thinking, well, why join brands? It's not something that you generally hear about photographers doing. What was the catalyst for joining forces? I mean, you said that you both had your own businesses and you were, you seem to be photographing at the same wedding. So when you were doing that, was that yeah. a whole, you've got a booking, I'll call camp to come second shoot or, or be with me during that day. And then why decide, okay, cool. Let's do this together. So that, yeah, the first summer was like, it was a bit crazy to rewind a little bit. I had booked this wedding prior to that first summer which ended up getting published in a magazine we had like these wild horses turn up on the photo shoot and like everything about it was just perfect it was in the middle of winter so the whole photo shoot was through the through a sunset and i think a lot of photographers have this story where like there was this one wedding that was almost like their defining moment where they kind of like catapulted them forward and i ended up booking like 60 weddings over the next summer and that was a bit crazy and I knew it was a bad idea, but I was like, look, like it's an amazing opportunity to learn as much as I could. And Cam was getting into weddings at the same time. And similarly, he'd booked a whole bunch of weddings that summer as well. And so we just wanted to learn everything we could. And so we would just bring each other along to our weddings. And so we like went to all of those weddings and shot all of them together, aside from when we were obviously shooting separately and had like a really good time while we're at it. And we're able to just like upskill each other in the areas where the other person, I don't know, like had more experience in shooting something. So that was the first part. The second part was that I think like when you're a photographer, what you love doing is being out shooting like creating awesome content and like the things that suck are like running an Instagram account and dealing with your emails and creating a brand and all of that kind of stuff, which is like pretty tiresome. And so we were like, well, if we join together, then actually we can work on that boring stuff together or maybe not so boring because it turns out it's like one of the most important parts of, of running a photography brand. And we decided that, look, 
let's continue to shoot separately because if we're both at the same wedding on the same day, then we're making half as much money as we could if we shoot individually. And so right from the outset, we decided like the Chase Wild, the brand, you get one photographer. That's how it works. So yeah, you're right. It's pretty unique. There's not many other brands who have done that so far. So I got a couple of questions on that, James. So let's say I was a groom and I had booked James Broadbent Photography before you had joined forces so that people can kind of see how this went. Say my wedding wasn't for another year Mm. and Cam and you had joined forces during that time. How did that look? Would I have had both yous there? Was I now going under a different brand or were you waiting out for the new bookings to come through on that kind of new brand? Yeah. So obviously I definitely would have been there. For the first couple of years, where possible, we continue to try and shoot together as much as we could. You might be lucky and get like him who would come along for that booking if you hadn't had him, but there was no expectation that there would be a second person there. That was sort of just like maybe the week before, if it was possible, we'd, I'd send them an email and be like, oh, by the way, like my friend Cam's going to come along and help shoot. He's awesome. It will add value in these ways. And then I guess I just let, the clients know that I was rebranding and so after I shot it the images would be on our new website which was called Chase Wild and so I think from the client's perspective it sort of just felt like a rebrand but really we were sort of completely restructuring how it works so some of them would have had both of us come along and some of them would have just had me come along but it was really no different okay and then another question there James is so with Chase Wild I know you're not as active as a photographer in that that business now because you're very hands-on with narrative and stuff like that. But say going back before narrative and stuff like that, if I had booked you guys to photograph my wedding and say Cam was selected to photograph that because you weren't available, can I ask how you went with payments and stuff? Did you split it? How did you go with that? Yeah. We actually run two individual sole, freight, sole trader businesses under the same brand. So I'm not sure how it works in Australia if it's the same, but like a sole trader, like a builder or someone like that who's a one-person company who doesn't employ other people, doesn't need to be a registered company in New Zealand. You actually just register yourself as someone who makes individual income. And so we operated as and still do actually as two individual sole traders under one brand. And so when a client would book us, then they would get an invoice from me or they would get an invoice from Cam. And so they were directly booking one or the other. And so we would just alternate it. And so that way we didn't need to have one central bank account and then need to work out how to like split the funds and work out like who was working on that and how many hours each person put in. And was it exactly perfectly even? Probably not. But also we realized that there was a whole lot of flexibility in doing it this way as well. Because if one person wanted to pull back a little bit and not shoot as much, then there wasn't the whole complication around working out how to like at the end of each tax year or each period work out how to split the money. So that's how we ran the finances. And that's actually how we still continue to run it. Although with the workshops and selling presets and sort of a few other things that Chase Wild does, we establish a separate company to run them over. And for that, we do actually have a system where we like split the revenue for that. But all the wedding stuff still comes through the the two separate sole trader businesses. 
And on that as well, James, so if you had an inquiry and you're both available and it's, it sounds amazing, but I only want one photographer, is it paper, scissors, rock or how do you roll with that? <laughs> yeah, pretty much. So yeah, prior to like now, Cam basically just takes everything and I just take whatever he's not available for. It's just easier this way. But when we were both full-time in photography, we would just alternate. We just had a list. And so if you took an inquiry, you'd add your name to the list. And then when a new one came through, you look and see who's next on the list. And so we would just switch back and forth. And, and so I think the thing about the way, like we were very intentional on the website to A, not make it seem like you ever got both photographers so that people were never disappointed that they were only getting one and B, never strongly communicating who it was that shot which content because our styles are so amalgamated after spending so much time shooting together. Like you could go and look at the work on the website and you couldn't work out like who shot what. And in fact, when we did shoot together, we like swap cameras heaps, like, cause we're just like, oh, I want to shoot with that lens now. And so at the end of the day, like we'd have these debates over like, I shot that photo. <laughs> no, I shot that photo. I was like, no, remember you were shooting that. And so like <laughs> the way in which we shoot is so similar that like a client would never be able to notice. And there's been one or two circumstances where they've said like, can I choose who shoots? And we say, yeah, sure. Like you choose, but you're probably not going to be able to work out like who shot which weddings on the website because the styles are so similar. And then in that case, those clients have said, oh yeah, you're right, actually. <laughs> so yeah, so that's kind of how we've always managed the bookings. I mean, that's a big thing that comes to mind as well. Hey, James, like how you communicate the fact, how the business is set up and being like open and honest straight away rather than like beating around the bush because obviously that can come straight back and buy you. But a question I was going to have was what happens if I go to the website and I'm like, I want Cameron, even though I don't even know what Cameron's photographed or not, yeah. how you handle that. But you answered that. Just staying on Chase Wild just for a sec before we keep moving forward to what's happening present in your life. Would you suggest to a photographer that say is shooting 40 to 60 weddings, quite busy every year. That's turning down multiple inquiries because you know what it's like. There's only one 10, 10, 20 every, mm. you know, like how, how many years, like that's a popular date. Would you suggest for them to look out and possibly bring someone in? I mean, you've spoke about your experience. What would your suggestion be and also the pros and cons of looking at it like that? Yeah. So we get about a thousand inquiries a year as it stands. And we've had so many discussions around like, especially at the time where we were both full time, we only really wanted to shoot about 25 each year. And so we were like, look, there's like 950 inquiries a year where we're not booking them. And we spend a lot of time like nailing our brand, nailing our SEO, getting our content out there, like essentially all forms of lead generation. And so we we're like, maybe we should look into other ways that we can generate revenue from all those additional bookings that we're, we're getting, which is the same question that you're asking right now, but with a person who's really just one photographer at that stage. And so some of the ideas that we explored were finding other photographers who we'd have a mutual agreement with that if we send you a booking that you book, then you ensure that you help us get another booking back. 
similarly, like you could do the same thing with photographers that are based in other countries. I mean, maybe not right now with coronavirus, but like if you were really interested in shooting weddings in Italy and you were getting a whole bunch of extra bookings in Australia, then you could reach out to some Italian photographers and say like, hey, I'll send you some stuff if you send me some stuff. And that's kind of like a way to the Italian stuff is going to be in the off season in the seasons where you're not so busy, sorry, you could be off in another country. And so you could kind of like use those additional leads to generate more bookings in, in the other period. I mean, should you bring in another person? I wouldn't do it lightly for someone who now owns two companies and has two different co-founders for each of those companies. I can tell you that like running a business with someone is amazing and really, really enjoyable, but finding the right person to do that with is like absolutely crucial so I wouldn't really like lightly jump at that decision. Some of the ideas that we had in terms of generating additional revenue from excess inquiries were like selling the bookings. And we tried this for a little while and it just felt a little bit weird. We had some friends who were trying to get into wedding photography and we would forward them inquiries. And basically the deal was for every booking that they booked that we forward them, they'd pay us 500 bucks. It was good. It worked for a while, but it kind of just felt a bit off. And I think there's some legal complication around, actually, you have to be really open and honest that there's a being a commission that's being paid to the referrer. You can't charge a commission from a legal perspective, at least in New Zealand, and not have the client know that a commission is being paid. Yeah. So I think it's a really interesting position to be in. And I think that photographers should really like consider their the leads that their generation is quite an important asset, right? Probably right now. I mean, well, actually the coming season, a lot of people are saying because of coronavirus is going to be a double season. Like you've got all these people who are trying to rebook and then you've got all of these people who are going to be trying to just get married as usual. And so you're going to, I think a lot of people are going to be in this situation. I think the last and, and sort of like final idea worth considering is that Cam and I actually set up an alternative photography brand as well. and. We did this more so because like our price point is pretty high, but we had quite a few inquiries that they wanted to spend two and a half thousand dollars on a wedding photographer and we were just never ever going to book those clients. And so we were just sending them away. And so we created a photography brand at a lower price point and you can look it up. It's called The Isles. And for anyone who responds to the pricing packages that says like, oh, sorry, it's too expensive. We just say, oh, there's, you should check out this brand, The Isles. The Isles is like a selection of photographers that we've essentially curated. A lot of them have come through our workshop. And so we take the booking, we pay the photographer to turn up and, and edit it. Our editor that we use in-house then edits those images so that they have a consistent look and style across that website. And obviously, like, we make some form of revenue from that, from the booking itself. And then so on that, James, as well, appreciate all of that. I know it's kind of like there's a lot of moving parts to all of that that you've done in the business. But in terms of it was called The Isle. Was that what it was called? The Isles. Yeah. The Isles. Are there multiple photographers or is it similar to Chase Wild where they get this kind of brand to shoot their wedding as such rather than I'll choose John or Steph, etc. Yeah, yeah. It's it's the same concept. And we tried to we've done like a whole bunch of experiments in here to try and work out the best way to do it. Cause obviously like trying to book other photographers quite far out is difficult because they'd be like, oh well why would I come shoot that wedding for you for like 
a thousand bucks or whatever when I could get my own booking on that day. And so the way in which we were trying to run it was that like they would just book the aisles and then like closer to the date, you'd get uh, like a, a meeting with the photographer who would be shooting with you and you could sit down with them and like talk to them about how that day would work. And it kind of works at the lower price point because I think the average client at that point, they're not wanting the like the premium experience where someone's like sitting down and like walking them through the timetable of what their day is going to be like before they they book and all of that. So that's kind of how we would run that. And then closer to the dates, we would reach out to our networks and say, hey, we've got a booking on this date, like who's available? And someone who doesn't have a booking is then really keen to shoot on that day because it's additional money that they otherwise wouldn't be making. Yeah. So how many weddings would the aisles be photographing, say, a year? Uh, I actually don't know off the top of my head because Cam's completely taking care of it now. but. It's not hundreds. Yeah, but I'm not sure. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's all right. That's all right. I appreciate all that. I want to fast forward a little bit now because we're on to narrative and the pivot that you made in the business. Can you just give listeners an idea of what narrative is if they don't know what it is and uh, how it came about? Yeah, so narrative builds software for photographers. All our tools are focused on saving photographers' time. So For every day that a photographer spends behind the camera, they spend on average about four days behind the computer. And that sucks, right? Like you make the money from the time that you spend shooting with the client and there's just all this like work to be done. And so we have two products. The first one is called Publish. Publish simplifies the process of building really long form photo blog posts. And the second one is Select as an AI powered image selection tool to help speed up that image selection process. And so we've just launched Select. It's currently in beta. There's a few hundred photographers who are, who are using that. And it's pretty exciting to, to get the feedback that's coming in from photographers who are using that. So then with the first one, Narrative Publish. So you're saying that's a blogging software that photographers can use? Yeah, 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 totally. So this product came out of a really deep frustration that I had as a photographer updating your blog or updating your portfolio on your website is a really painful process because you're trying to particularly like most of our users on publish are wedding photographers because they're, they're trying to tell these really long story format portfolio pieces or blog posts and you're trying to build it in like wordpress or squarespace or wix or something like that and in this web-based platform, the experience sucks. Like dragging the images around, getting them next to each other, swapping them, hard, painful processes. And it used to take me a whole day to build a blog post. And I used to hate that so much that I'd have like a whole backlog of shoots, which I needed to upload. And I just like, I would never get onto them because I hated that experience. And I was like, surely someone is building a solution to this for photographers. Like, there's no good way to do it. And I think I quickly realized actually no one is. And so Stefan, my co-founder for Narrative, he's a software developer. He pretty much on his own built version one of Publish. We launched that and it was amazing. Like the day that we launched, we had 400 people sign up, which I was like, huh, okay, (laughs) that's quite a lot. And then like very quickly, we started to grow like quite an amazing rate. And so our team is now, there's 13 of us who work here, will be 20 by the end of the year. And a large portion of our team is working on Select. 
which is obviously the the AI powered selection tool. So like, I mean, we all know how much photo selection sucks, right? Like you return from a photo shoot, you've got like three to 5,000 images. If you're a wedding photographer, you probably want to deliver like about 500. And it's pretty much just a process of like comparing nearly identical photos from each scene and going like, which one's the best? I guess the first thing is like the app is really, really fast. Like the images appear on the screen as fast as you can click the next button, which is kind of for us like a zero sum thing. Like we call it the 100 millisecond rule. Like when you hit the right hand button, the image has to appear within 100 milliseconds because that feels instant. The second part is everything is sort of built to be keyboard centric. And so you should never need to use your mouse when you're doing photo selection. So there's really simple things. Like if you want to zoom in to the person's face, which usually like on another product, you might have to hit Z and then like navigate to the face with your mouse. With select, you just click the space button and it just zooms you into the most centered face in the photo. And then you can use the up and down keys to like pan across the different faces in the photo, just to save you heaps of time in that space. There's a few other like really important parts. We built this thing called the close-ups panel. You hit a shortcut key and it opens up like a full crop of every single face in the photo. And people love that for like group shots and stuff like that because you can really quickly just see like everyone's face and what their expression was like. And then the last and kind of like killer feature of Select is obviously the AI feedback about the subjects within your photo. So at this stage, we give assessment data about the eyes and the focus for each subject in the image so we can predict we have an update coming out soon actually which we can understand eyes that are open closed partially open or mid blinking or covered or sunglasses and so with that you know what a mid blink is it's like when their eyes like like (laughs) super weird like that you're definitely not going to want at all and so that will have a red label applied to it and then um, say if someone is has their eyes partially open or they're squinting or something like that then they'll have an orange label underneath their face and then if their eyes are just normal then there's no warning indicator under their face it's a really quick way obviously just to understand if that person is desirable and when they're not so big in the image like when they're quite far away that becomes really valuable similarly with focus like one of my biggest pain points with image selection was having to like zoom in and like check which one's more in focus so there's a dot underneath each face and that dot is just giving you a representation of how in focus that face is so if it's really out of focus the dot will be red if it's a little bit out of focus it'll be orange and if it's like acceptable level of focus then there just won't be a warning indicator under that face so what that means is like when you're moving through your images all of a sudden you start to see these orange and red indicators underneath the different faces and you know that means oh okay this one's actually quite out of focus like i'll just walk over that one oh this one the subject has their eyes closed and that's kind of annoying and so you're looking for images without warning indicators which can help speed up that selection process we have like quite a large roadmap of additional assessment data that will start to introduce to the app over the coming years but this is where it's at i mean the one word i hear over and over and over again from photographers is like this is a game changer which is pretty exciting 100 percent. i've got a big bit of background obviously using it on the beta software platform but with that ai so when it comes up james and it's given these indicators that happens automatically. So say a photographer ingests all the photographs Mm. into the platform. Does that happen automatically as they're scrolling through? Yeah. 
it doesn't happen instantly, right? Like the process of assessing the information is called inference and inference, like we don't need to upload the images to the cloud to return that assessment data. It happens locally on your computer. So depending on how fast your computer is, well, how long that takes, it does about five to 10 images per second currently, depending on what kind of computer you have. And at the moment, it just starts its process at the top and just works its way down. So most people don't even notice that it's happened. So it just feels like it's happening instantly. There's an update coming out in the next, I think, two to three weeks where we're actually going to start modifying the queue of returning that assessment data. So if you go to another image within the shoot, like you scroll halfway down, open up that image, it will start returning the assessment data for those images. So eventually it will just feel like the data is always there which is going to be a really nice experience. What would you say if I said game changer? (laughs) (laughs) No, but like, I mean, I've used this. So to all the listeners out there, like the first thing that literally blew me away was the speed because to be honest, James, I actually never culled. And the reason why is I just couldn't bear to sit in the office for a whole day going through six thousand photographs and it's like exactly like you said like the time consuming bit of zooming in looking at this eye then go to the next one then zooming in looking at that oh that's a little bit out of focus then going to the next one and like whatever software you're using normally like lightroom or whatever photo mechanic it's like so slow at times and it's like i just knew straight away after doing the probably first or second wedding i was like i'm not doing that ever again and then, yeah, had the opportunity to use select and I'm like, actually bring it back. Like I want that job because I know yeah. the story and this is going to help me so, so I, I don't mind if I shoot thousands and thousands and thousands of images because literally it's like the best software in the world is helping me get to a point, you know, not even, oh man, I like the speed is just insane. Like I'm, I, I'm a person that needs things like done straight away and I'm not waiting for a computer to give me a little loading button. Totally. I noticed the same thing in like my shooting as well. I think when I first photographed, started photographing wedding, I I would shoot like one to 2000 images. And now I shoot like four to 6,000. And I think maybe like it's partially because camera technology has improved a little bit, but also like if you want to get that moment, right. And that's the thing that people say about our work. Like we love your work because people just look so natural and comfortable. It's like, we're shooting people when they're laughing and when they're moving and when they're talking and that's really difficult. And to actually capture a moment that looks good when that's happening, you just have to shoot lots. Like you really have no other option. And so when I'm out shooting, my shutter's like, (laughs) and I come home and yeah, as you say, you've got so many shots, but yeah, it means that there's a really flattering image from each moment, even if they are like, I don't know, cracking up at the speeches or, or on the photo shoot or wherever. So. You always miss that photograph you never took, right? Like that's pretty simple. And I remember hearing James Two Man Studios at one of their online webinars saying they, they'd photograph, you know, shoot 15,000 frames to 20,000 yeah. in a wedding. And they were like, it just shows how much we're working. We're not spraying at all. You know, that's a lot. I couldn't even fathom that. But yeah, exactly. I mean, how could you even cull that without select? Like I, just, I think my computer would just like stop. <laughs> Amazing. So let's stay on select just for a little bit. I know it's in, it's not in the early stages. Is it out there live? How can photographers get onto it? How can they get all over it? Yeah, cool. 
photographers can request early access to select jump on to narrative.so forward slash select and there's a little form where you can put email in and request early access we're just slowly dripping on a few users at each week at the moment because we're in the process of perfecting this product and like the thing that's really important for us at this stage is hearing your feedback because we're not building this tool for me like we're building this for everyone and everyone has a slightly different process or workflow or it's maybe a different bug or has something which isn't working well with the images. So that's what the purpose of a beta is, is just to uncover all of those like issues that we're encountering. Once we're really confident that it's running smoothly, we'll launch it publicly and anyone will be able to download it. So if you're the kind of person who loves to like get your hands on things early before anyone else has and like influence the direction of where a product is going, then definitely sign up and you can be part of that. There's a little chat app within the product and so you can talk to anyone in our support team and, you know, like throw your ideas at them. We're really keen to hear any input you have. And another quick question, this popped up on Select. Is it work on the network? So like, can you work on Select offline or does it work online only? You don't need to be online for it to like return the assessment data. I should really know the answer to this because you might not be able to sign in without being online but if you've already used it like you've already signed in like obviously the very first time you're never going to be able to sign in but i'm pretty sure as long if you're offline you you can just open up the app awesome and just use it as usual <laughs> awesome no 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 i mean we're all within wi-fi aren't we we always have internet as photographers a quick one just on with the blogging and i know photographers are going to be keen to jump in and, and check both narrative products out say you're using squarespace james Let's say you build this blog, this wedding, and you showcase all these photographs. How do they get that from narrative published to Squarespace and live? Yeah. The way that we've done it is super simple. And it actually works differently for Squarespace and WordPress. And most users are on one of those too. So I should probably explain how both work. When you hit publish, it starts to upload your images. And once it's finished uploading your images, it will give you a little piece of code basically. Maybe that sounds a little bit scary. When you're in Squarespace, you just drop in a code block and you paste that little snippet that it's given you, hit save and refresh the page and the whole blog post is just there. It happens like super seamless and and essentially you can now return to select and if you make changes to that blog post, like you change the order of the images or you want to re-edit some of them or whatever, you just go update. You hit the update button in narrative and then instantly that's reflected on your website, which just makes it like a really nice seamless process. You can build blog posts offline when you're in in publish, which was always like something that was really important to me because I was like, I want to be able to do it when I'm in a hotel with really bad Wi-Fi or when I'm like on an airplane or, or whatever. So that's how it works with Squarespace. If you're on WordPress, then we've simplified this process a little bit more because WordPress offers the, the ability to add plugins, which Squarespace doesn't. Install the narrative plugin and it will just, it will ask you to input a code from narrative into your WordPress account. And then your WordPress and your narrative count are now linked automatically. So every time you hit publish, it just appears directly into your WordPress blog post. Incredible. It sounds like you thought about everything. And I know uh, you're great at business and stuff. And I'm 
again, wary of the time. You've got a busy day, James, but I want to finish up and I want to ask you just one last question with everything we've also spoken about, James, I'm going to link to select, publish, chase wild, everything, your home address. (laughs) (laughs) Don't do that. Can you share lastly, three tips photographers can do now say to level up their photography or business? What three first come to your head? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Things that were really pivotal for me early, I think like when I was very, very, very first starting out, like before I got my first wedding booking, the things I did was I took my friends out and said, can I shoot with you? And I tried to build my portfolio as much as I possibly could. And so my very first photo shoots were just friends of mine. And now they were like, yeah, sure, you can come out. Like, I'll shoot with you. And I was like, awesome. Do you have like a white dress that you can wear or something like that? <laughs> and they were like, uh, yeah. And I was like, awesome, cool, wear that. <laughs> and then I'd like turn up with a bouquet or something like that. So you've got to start generating content and you've got to like go after it. Shoot it at sunset when the light is beautiful. Go to an amazing location. Start to generate some content. I think once you start to generate some content, the next thing that you can start to do is actually start to reach out to different people within the industry to work with them. And so like to build out your portfolio is like your main number one goal at the beginning, right? And to get bookings of awesome weddings, it's hard to do that when you don't have like content in your portfolio that is like a beautiful wedding or something similar. And so I reached out to different vendors, wedding dress designers makeup artists, flowers. I think like everyone has done this before, some form of styled shoot, but it's an awesome way to just get really high quality styled into your portfolio. Because I think when when a client looks at your images, more often than not, they're not looking at the photos and going like, what sort of quality are those images? They're actually just looking at the images themselves and what they look like and asking subconsciously asking themselves, like, do I want my wedding to look like that? So by getting that really high quality stuff into your portfolio early will help you book better weddings. Third thing, I'm literally just rattling these off the top of my head. So That's perfect. <laughs> I think the third thing is probably actually what you mentioned earlier when you talked about sign more, which is actually just to try and get to know as many people as you possibly can in the industry. And that was huge for us early. Wedding photographers just so happen to be really friendly people. And maybe that's because you have to be really friendly to be (laughs) successful in this space. And so reach out to people who you think are really inspirational, or maybe just people who are in a similar place to you. There are so many photography groups. There's this awesome one called Feather and Finch that I've heard about. (laughs) And like get in amongst those groups where you can start to connect with other photographers, where you can share bookings with them. Like you're constantly going to, find yourself in situations where you're like, I don't really know what to do right now. And to have that other network of people who you can reach out to who can help you is huge. Absolutely incredible, James. Yeah, I appreciate everything you've you've given. Guys, I'm going to link out to everything James has spoken about. Check out Chase Wild, the workshops, narrative. Yeah, incredible. And thank you so much for what you're doing in this industry, mate. You are helping so many of us yeah, get time back in our lives. I mean, how valuable is that? We could go on about another episode like that. But awesome. Um, where are you for time? Thanks so much, James, mate. And I'll cool. link everything. Okay. See you, mate. See you, mate. We're so glad you have taken the time to tune in. If you found this episode useful, why not share it with a friend and be the light someone may need? Don't forget to subscribe and leave a review. This would mean so much to us. Ryan would love to connect with you beyond this episode. 
The links to everything and anything that was spoken about are in the show notes at www.escapingtheordinarypodcast.com. Talk to you next week.